beautiful people welcome back to another episode of beats per minute podcast where hip-hop health and heart are in sync i am your host miss thursday and through this month i'll be sitting down and talking to various djs mcs and hip-hop lovers from different regions about the 50th anniversary of hip-hop their memories and contributions to this culture so to kick it off i'm sitting down with a houston legend and most importantly, one of my brother, uh, DJ Ready Red, dear friends. Um, so without further ado, I would like to introduce to you, representing the great state of Texas, from Rap-A-Lot Records, and Too Much Troubles DJ, DJ Black. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Thank you very much. <laughs> You're welcome. I am so excited to sit down and talk with you. Um, it was like probably back in February or March when Robert first told me that he wanted to connect us. And um, and I had just been waiting for him to let me know whenever he was ready and or you were ready. So I've been looking forward to having this conversation with you for, for a minute now. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> so, OK, I'm going to go back to the beginning. Right. Um, tell me about. Houston and, and what was, you know, what was it like when hip hop first kind of hit, you know, um, Houston and, and like what time frame was that? Like what was like, you know, what was that even feeling like, you know, being that you guys were so far removed from like New York and, and seeing and hearing all that was going on there. So what was it like, like when hip hop first kind of got started in your area? Uh, let's see here. I was born in 1970, so mm -hmm. my my first um, introduction to hip hop, in my opinion, was um was Blowfly Rap Dirty way before Sugar Hill Gang. So I was, mm -hmm. was kind of on that already. Mm -hmm. But um, seeing um Run DMC mm -hmm. and and mostly Grandmaster Flash and all mm -hmm. of them on TV periodically, sometimes on Soul Train. Sometimes you had this little, little box thing that comes out. Um, mm -hmm. so often you might see it and you might not, but, you know, we had the whole Michael Jackson and Prince thing, but it was something about that good times with, with the Sugar Hill Gang. And, yeah. And everybody they could break dance and rap at that time so you had to pick and choose which ones you wanted to do so you had to be uh, one yeah <laughs> so what made you you know even went to get you know like into the whole hip-hop culture like what even moved you from um not being a, a b-boy or you know a, a rapper but a dj what started that for you well i can't rap so okay. <laughs> that, I, I'm not a good breakdancer. That hurts. <laughs> so I had um heard the DJing and all, so I was, but I've never seen it. Mm -hmm. so I saw Jam Master J. I think Jam Master J was the very first one I seen scratch. Mm. But then um in my neighborhood on the east side, it was this guy called Burgermeister. 
Okay. And he was the most closest thing to actually touching or seeing a DJ. Him mm -hmm. and another guy you might know. Um, they called him Peter Parker now, but back then they called him Easy C. Okay. So when I saw those two guys, I was like, that's what I wanted to do right there. So I want to control what makes you dance. And I was gotcha. always been music anyway, so I started stealing my aunts and my mom's records. <laughs> Long before they before it was good to come, okay to collect them. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, but once um, I saw Burgermeister actually do it, he the first one mm -hmm. started me how to do it. Okay. And what age were you at that time? Thirteen. Okay, so you you got bit pretty early. Yeah, yeah. 13. Okay. <laughs> too small to too small to play football. Mm -hmm. So I had to I had to fix something. <laughs> okay, so you start DJing about 13, right? And mm -hmm. are you, you know, just kind of doing it at home or do you like venture out and try to start doing it for your friends and doing parties and stuff like that? Like, how did you go from, you know, getting bit to actually wanting to do this as a profession? See, um, a lot of guys that was DJing before me were way older than me, so they didn't have the hip-hop element to it. They didn't mm -hmm. know how to scratch. They didn't know how to mix. All they did was, like, more radio stuff. They would mm -hmm. just play the music and talk real loud over the, over the microphone. Mm -hmm. So, Burgermeister and Easy C, they were from New York. Mm -hmm. So, learning from them, I brought that element to my um to my age. Gotcha. So, spending countless years in the house practicing, mm -hmm. I had to. I had to be the best. I had to. I had to win the battles. I had to win the battles, and and from there it just went from DJing for a couple of friends, practice, mm -hmm. DJing, practice DJing. Then it got bigger and bigger and bigger. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. And then how did you? Like, how did too much trouble become, you know, a thing? Like, when did that group start? Were you in any groups before that? Or um, how did that kind of transpire? Well, too much trouble was actually called double trouble. Okay. And I was not in a group, but I had people like DJ before. I had best friends that rap for ever since I was in eighth, ninth grade. And, you know, we got to look contest here or we'd be in a uh, talent show so they, they use me as their DJ so I eventually became somebody's DJ. <laughs> um, too much I mean Double Trouble it was D, Drunk D and Ghetto they were the originals so they, okay. came, they came and found me at a park <laughs> yeah I was DJing at the park and well, they came and we got this little record, uh, record thing that got going to do something. We need a DJ. So it was, mm -hmm. I don't see why not. And that's how it all started. It was just those two. Then they added me and then one came on down the line, with, which I will explain. Okay. But by that time, I had already knew your brother. 
Okay. Uh, so I knew your brother by that time, four or five years by that time. Mm. Yeah, I met him, what was it, 86? Okay. And we so you met him pretty like almost when he first got there. Yes. Okay. I met him, um, like I um, told you before, I met him at TSU. I was I was DJing at TSU, trying to show off, and he kind of talked about my turntables. I said, "Oh, oh my God, here we go! Here we go, this guy here with um a leather jacket on in Texas, <laughs> with a raccoon hat on that says Grandmaster Ready Red on the back of it." And, <laughs> And he put handcuffs on his hand mm-hmm. and started scratching. Mm-hmm. <laughs> From that point on, I didn't leave his side for the rest of the day. For about another two, three years, I didn't leave his side. I was like, no, you want to yeah, you gonna teach me that. You gonna teach me that. <laughs> so that was pretty different, you know, seeing that. Like he, you know, of course, I'm sure, you know, he was a fanatic, you know, and, and really, um, loved and and admire you know grandmaster flash and you know um you know grand wizard theodore and you know and and um so many of the first um generation uh djs you know for and that you know that's where he kind of learned from and and perfected his craft you know in jersey and so it's funny you know seeing like that very stark contrast of you know what was normal for us to see back home and then he'll come to Houston and like him standing out with you know his jacket and all that. <laughs> like a sore thumb. He stuck yeah. out like a sore at that time he stuck out like a sore thumb. But I hey I really uh I can give my knowledge of it, my knowledge of hip hop, my knowledge of of, the, of a lot of music and, and producing and DJing too ready red mm. because he made me study. He made me mm. study. He made me, he made me work hard on certain things that you wouldn't even think about working hard on. It's, it wasn't wow. all about the show. Mm-hmm. You have to really, really know the skill. You should be able to do the skill with one hand. Wow. And we he broke it down. And I, I learned pretty much a lot from him. That's pretty cool to hear. So going back also, like who were some of the like major players responsible for like really making hip hop like popular in Houston? Um, like, you know, I, I know I've heard of like K Reno and, you know, different people like that. But like, you know, back then, like who were like the major players in Houston? We really, at the time? We really didn't have any. We okay. really didn't have any. You, 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 the major players. Uh, they were all R and B. You know, you had um, what's the guy name? Archibald and the Drill, and the Dale, oh. I think. So you had you had them, and you had a lot of R and B groups. But then you had Raheem is one of the um, Raheem Evangelani is one of the first mm-hmm. ones to put out an album. Not an album, mm-hmm. yeah, an album. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You had um. Uh, a lot of guys that would rap over other people beats and and get it played on the radio, but that was more local. So okay. I can't really say they they hit until mm. the Ghetto Boys. Gotcha. Third album. 
was the third album or the second album? Second album blew out the roof. Okay. So they are the ones that actually open up more doors than anybody that could have opened up any doors in Houston, Texas, even though we had rappers, but we was rapping in the park. They was they was right. rapping in there on, on the side of um Timmy Chambers. So it was a lot of um little bitty local ones, but nothing mm-hmm. nothing. Cause we didn't have a sound. Right? Gotcha. Our sound was R and B. More mm-hmm. of, uh, can I say, Bobby Brownish type of arm break, mm-hmm. but not until Red. I would have to, uh, if anybody, if we need to call it, dis- dispute, um, dispute me on it, try to mm-hmm. re me on it. We did not have a sound in Houston, Texas until Grand Wizard Ready Red brought his drum machine down here. We didn't wow. have balls in my word became our sound. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's always crazy, you know, of course, you know, just being his sister. And I don't think it wasn't, you know, until like I got older that I really realized like what his contribution to Southern hip hop really was like. You know, because being still up north, we didn't hear and see what was going on, you know, and um, it just came from him. Like, oh, yeah, we're doing this, we're doing that, you know, whatever. But we couldn't physically see it, you know, until later. So being that you were there in Houston, like, what did it feel like to, like, finally have, like, someone representing Houston, you know, in the hip-hop space? And also, I always wondered, like, how did Houston feel about the fact that, like, you know, you know, my brother Red and like Johnny C weren't from there, but did they still feel like they was pretty represented well, like that they, you know, because um, I always, you know, I always have gotten nothing but love, um, you know, in his regard since his passing. Like I've received a lot of love from Houston and I'm super appreciative, but I always wonder, like, what did it feel like in the beginning when they, because, you know, he he definitely stuck out. Like his accent was heavy. You know, it was no getting around the fact that he wasn't a local. <laughs> uh, that's one thing about us. We, we are very um, acceptable down here. And yeah. As long as you bring in something, mm-hmm. you was okay. You was okay. As long as you wasn't just bringing a whole bunch of nonsense or something like that, we would, we would, it would be accepted, you know, and then you come to find out, like a lot of producers out here in the beginning mm-hmm. were all white guys. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't, a lot of people do not know a lot of music that came out of Houston. Those producers were white. They were yeah. not black. So when Red came with the samples and, and the Fred's dead, and and the Ohio players and stuff like that gotta be mm-hmm. down and wait a minute, this is wait, that's what that now you're talking to me. <laughs> so, um, you know, Raheem had um what's that dance floor. Mm-hmm. That was that was produced by a white guy. Mm-hmm. So Red really didn't have anything to do with that first A and M album. He really right. didn't. But from that point on, 
he shaped this. He shaped this. We, Scott, they will tell you how did they learn how to produce? Who taught them how to put this stuff together? Mm-hmm. They have to say. They would have to say red. I'm going to say red. Mm-hmm. I was there. I, I we signed a contract in 1988. Mm-hmm. So I was there right when um. This, what's the name of it? Grip it. When Grip it dropped, mm-hmm. we were right there. Wow. So you really got to see, you know, the, you know, really the, you know, a lot of the beginning and also the change from when, you know, Box and Johnny C kind of stepped back and then you have, you know, Willie D and, you know, Scarface coming in and now Bushwick is actually rapping and not just a dancer. So you got to see like really that beginning change when, you know, um, you're, you're seeing, you know, the kind of almost like the last fraction of the, the ghetto boys kind of form. <laughs> yeah. Um, the school we went to was more like, a, um, man, <laughs> uh, how do I say this without sounding crazy? It was, um, it wasn't no fame. Wasn't fame, but it was more like fame. <laughs> it was it was a school in the middle of um, you know third wars and kind of in the middle of Houston. But mm-hmm. this particular school we went to, you had a lot of rappers. You had Rob Ski. You had mm-hmm. um, Raheem was there. Kaylee was there. K Reno was there. Jukebox was there. You had even Big Mellow. All these guys used to come up there and just battle at our school. Mm. So to see, I was seeing these guys before they was even famous. Gotcha. So, so when 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 Box you know, put that out, it was like, well, hell, now we see Box. You know, we see them every other day. So it was it really mm-hmm. wasn't nothing. So again, to be very honest with you, ah, car freaks wasn't all that. I said, I did. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> But it, I know that, you know, a lot of times, even, you know, in our um, hometown of Trenton, New Jersey, right, we have so many artists that were really dope, you know what I mean? But, you know, when now when we're looking back, it's like we didn't really appreciate, like, the the creativity and, and, uh, um, and the skill that a lot of, you know, the DJs, the MCs and, you know, um, have, like, you know, um, I'm, I'm glad that people are really including poor righteous teachers in the conversation more than they used to back then. Um, Cause you know, even with us being like in the central part of New Jersey, it's like, oh, they're trying to be like Philly, you know, um, or oh, they're trying to be like New York because, you know, we were in the middle. So it's like you either are on this end or you're on that end. And so a lot of times, those guys never got the real recognition they deserved. And we had some really great groups come out of Trenton. But I think sometimes it's just when, you know, when you are used to seeing people and, you know, they're kind of doing something, it's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. And and to be honest with you, we thought everybody was, all y'all was from New York. We, I didn't know New Jersey was a whole different state. <laughs> growing up, everything come out of that. Provinces, teachers, boogie dump, all that's just plain up New York. That's how yeah. we talk. <laughs> no, Provinces teachers is from Trent, New Jersey. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we didn't know where I, but we got taught quick. Yeah. <laughs> we, we got taught quick, you know, between um, 
Johnny C and Red, we got kind of talk quick. They were, yeah. They were, they were quick to point it out. Mm -hmm. Real. Okay. But going back to, you know, the, um, you know, like your history and, and you guys are now, um, you know, have formed too much trouble. How did you guys get the, the nickname, the baby ghetto boys? And how did you kind of feel about that? Well, that was, um, that was a double-edged sword. Um, for one, it was just three of us at first. Mm -hmm. But um, um, God rest his soul, Ghetto MC, he had an idea. He had an idea to take a picture with one um, the little white one in Bushwick on on all. One's on the left, one's on the right, standing on the <laughs> And he just had this way just crazy idea. Uh, it doesn't matter. We doing an album. It don't matter. No, it don't matter. So whatever on the pitch you're talking about, we'll do it. Mm -hmm. So we start hanging, we start bringing Barnard to the studio because at first he don't rap. He never rapped a day in his life. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe it's just like, um, you know, a rapper, like you know, something you know, but he wasn't a rapper. Mm -hmm. So one day we was at Doug King's. Guess who coming to <laughs> Little Jay, hey man, why don't y'all see if little little can can rap, man? Mm. Well, they wrote him a rap. Nah, it sounded all right. Well, that one sound all right, man. Write him another one. Let's see how another one sound. And so the next one, little Jay liked it. He say, "Yeah, yeah, I like that." Mm -hmm. But y'all can't be. Y'all can't be. Double trouble no, no more. <laughs> I want y'all to be called the ex cons. Mm. No, we don't want <laughs> No. Well, what about the convicts? See, they tried to give us that name. Oh, they was <laughs> always trying to bring the convicts into the play. <laughs> no, we don't like that. Well, I tell you what, y'all better come up with something before I come up with something. And okay, we came up with too much trouble since it was more than two. So we had mm -hmm. the extra O on it. And then the next day, we the very next day, we told him too much trouble. Okay, I like that. And we can call y'all the baby ghetto boy. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. We ain't no babies now. We I'm I'm 19 years old. The youngest one is is, is 18. I'm 19. Mm -hmm. Oh, why would we be called a baby ghetto boy? They go read it. Yeah. Baby <laughs> ghetto boys. Huh? How ghetto <laughs> is your baby boy? He has so many jokes. Him and Johnson. Oh, apart <laughs> from the ghetto the babies. Yeah, they was they just killed. Me. But we really didn't we didn't like it because it shifted how we was making music. So now we're mm. the baby. Now we have to be harder than the ghetto boys. So yeah. A lot more pressure and a lot more. And that's how your brother got ended up getting involved with Star producing. Because at first, Giant Z did it. Giant mm -hmm. Z headed up all the production. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, rest in peace, Boss. Boss headed up all the production. 
But then Boss started working on them album with OG style. Then with the Johnny C. Mm. But Johnny C, I don't know what it was, but we just didn't like I, I guess we didn't like it, but until he gave it to the convicts and everything that he produced on the convicts album, he made for us first. Oh, wow. <laughs> All those beats that on the convicts album? That, that was, was yours. <laughs> and we was like, God damn, why we just didn't take that? You know? <laughs> so here comes Beto, here comes your brother. He done three, and they taught me how. That's when he started teaching me how to produce. Mm. But we got the baby ghetto boy's name, Little J. And all because Bushwick, why not? But yeah, yeah. I always thought that was, I was like, oh, well, I guess. But I always wonder how did y'all feel about being called the baby ghetto boys? <laughs> gotcha. We didn't like it. We never, we never used it. We were always call ourselves, if you listen to that album, we wouldn't. It, it's never mentioned. It's only mentioned yeah. on the album cover. It's okay. never mentioned. Once you guys got started, you know, I um, you know, know that uh, the first album is Bringing Hell on Earth, correct? Yes, ma'am. Okay. How was that? Um, you know, kind of having all the guys on that first track when I was listening to it, and I hear, you know, um, Red doing the intro, and then. Will and Scarface and Bill all jump in, you know, and kind of say something. What was that like for you guys getting started to kind of have that stamp of approval, if you will, from the Ghetto Boys? It was it was it was like family, you know, because mm-hmm. we was touring with them. We didn't go on a big tours with them. Mm-hmm. But anywhere from Louisiana to Mississippi or something like real close, we would go with them. So we we um excuse me, we created a bond with them. Mm-hmm. But but the only one we could get actually to rap on there was Scarface on on uh, another mm-hmm. track. So to get all to get all four of them in the studio at one time, that was a miracle at at, at best. <laughs> But it 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 was it felt nice for for them to come together and and show that we are really really the family, you know, because we were yeah. all we all recorded out of the same big studio, so it would be one session would run into another session, would run into mm-hmm. another session, and run into another session. You be there all day, so yeah. But the hardest part was to get out four of them one time. Red produced that. Red produced that track, so he was the first one there. Yeah, the last one was there. Was Will? So okay, okay. And you know, now just kind of coming up to the present. You know, I know that you guys, you know, kind of disbanded after a while. You know, but are you guys still fairly close, or how is that? You know, like. Um, being that you're, you know, you're still in the Houston area. Well, like I said, um, Ghetto passed away. Mm-hmm. He passed mm-hmm. away about, about five years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, none retired. He, he moved to the country. He stays mm-hmm. in the country. And um, 
D does his own podcast somewhere around. I forgot the name of his podcast, but he does his own podcast. So we speak periodically when we see each other or mm-hmm. something like that. We keep in touch ever so often. You know, we're, we're all family guys now. And yeah. family is more important than anything. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's definitely true. So how are you feeling and, and like what do you guys have kind of going on in the city to celebrate this 50th year of hip hop, if anything? Like I know that um um you know some you know um different regions you know don't feel like oh well you know this is the year for us to celebrate, but you know, do do you guys feel the same way in Houston or you know, how's that going? Yo, I, I really don't know. I really don't know because, like, we should be celebrated, but a lot of us are not mentioned. Mm. A lot of us um, we kind of paved the way for the South to be the way right. it is right now. Right. Because if you say the South back then, you're going to talk about two live crew. You're going to mm-hmm. talk about the ghetto boys. Them the mm-hmm. only two that you can actually mention besides MC Shadi, but he wasn't he's from the South. He mm-hmm. did South stuff. So we kind of get overlooked about it. And and so only ones that actually do mention is Scarface and the ghetto boys or two live crew. So everybody else feels shunned. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so they don't or they don't, we don't go on, we don't put tours together to show that our unity out here in the South or anything like that. Or, or it, it's just, everyone does their own thing. Yeah. So uh, they, we're not celebrating it. We just enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and I, I understand it and I get it. And I really do wish, um, because I think that, you know, the more that I talk to, you know, you and, you know, Lee Robinson from the Death Four and, you know, different people in different regions, um, you know, there's something missing and in, in not connecting when we don't have the opportunities to hear your stories. You know, um, your story, along with so many other artists, is is what allows us to understand like the history and the origin of how southern hip-hop really came to be and you know and when we kind of remove people from the story when we you know start from only certain periods or whatever you know we don't really realize like the struggle that you guys had the the grind that y'all had the um the the real um, grunt work that y'all all had to do, you know, back then to for us to see how the South is displayed now, you know, and a lot of times when, when people talk about, you know, the South, they're thinking more about like Atlanta and not what Texas really did to put the Southern region on the map. And, and I think that we have to do better about having these type of conversations so that more and more people can hear your story and understand like, you know, when it came to even rap a lot, you guys were really like a family, you know, uh, um, so many um, artists that came to, you know, um, James Prince and, and, and the rap a lot family, a lot of y'all really bonded and became, you know, a family because 
then, you know, y'all were really grinding. So a lot of times, like you said, y'all were just working, you know, a lot and working, you know, with each other. A lot of people don't even understand when Johnny C moved from the forefront in the Ghetto Boys and left the group as an MC, he stayed with rap a lot as a producer, you know, and also the work he did with Swap House, you know, and Tony Draper and, you know, and his role with Big Mike, you know, a lot of people don't know that side and don't know those stories because they're not being told. No, not at all. Not at all. And a lot of people don't even know John C had an album out on, on rap a lot, you know, exactly. It, 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 it Nip, too much trouble. Raheem the vigilante, and Johnny C all got released on the same day, February 2nd, 1992. Wow. All the same day. So um, James Prince is one of the first ones to release multiple albums with multiple people on the same day, way before Master mm-hmm. P. We talked mm-hmm. in early 90s. So for us to say, okay, we're only going to pick the strongest one out of the whole pack because they all helped each other. You know, when, when you have so much competition in a whole, you, you, I wish I could like visually give you the cipher they used to have, mm. how big the cipher used to be and how competitive that made everybody go back and write better. Be better, think better, make better tracks, you know, come up with different ideas for different songs. Or or maybe, hey man, I got this idea for a song. Can you help me out on a couple of lines? We are we just that's all we did because like you said it before, we we was always together. Always. Yeah. yeah, um, let me see. Death four of them, they were older than us. So they mm-hmm. by the time by the time Death Four came. I think they had already left with Raw Flush and and all. They came out, yeah, before they were right after. Oh, right before Grippy, yeah, right before uh-huh. Grippy. Uh-huh. So they they was older than us, but I knew them uh-huh. from my neighborhood. They stayed uh-huh. in. They okay. Stayed on so they was hanging around with Burgermeister and them. So I knew them before they even got a rapper. Right? I uh-huh. was so. Read with how they talk, the the hip hop, the b boy style of it. I was just, I would, I couldn't. I, I had to, I had to, I had to figure it out. <laughs> got bit. You just got bit. <laughs> I got bit. I got bit. Yeah, I couldn't get enough. And then your brother, now he he made it even worse. He's the first. <laughs> he's the first one. I hate to keep saying, you know, like first one, first one, first one, because he might not be the first one, but this is the first one I ever seen. Mm-hmm. He's the first one that have a TV surround by sound. Mm-hmm. So what I mean, he had Sirwin Vegas, like twelve inch Sirwin Vegas and amps, all that hooked up to his TV. <laughs> So you mean, can you tell me was one of his favorite movies? Which one was his favorite movies? <laughs> uh, okay, so which genre are we talking about? Are we talking about kung fu? Are we talking about sci-fi? Are we talking about black sta- um, black um, exploitation? 
I'll go, uh, oh, Kung Fu, I, I already know about all of them. That's well, we, we already know. <laughs> uh, let's say black sportation. Oh, my God. Um, you, well, you know, he was madly in love with Pam Greer, you know, so he would watch them a lot. But um, he was definitely into, um, like, so many different ones, but, like, Three the Hard Way, um, I know that came into play, you know, because of the music um, and um, Mind Playing Tricks, you know, that came from, I believe, that soundtrack, Isaac Hayes. Um, you know, he, he always um, loved, like, um, God, I'm trying to think of uh, his name, uh, the one that Eddie Murphy just had did the movie on Dolomite. Dolomite, and then, of course, you know, the Mac and all that. He, you know, oh, he had I, all of them. I cannot sit and tell you how many times he made us watch Dolomite. <laughs> Before you go to Red, when you go to Red House, you okay, well, well you got to meet Red at his house at noon. So you better be there by noon. Ain't there by noon. He's going to be trying to rough you up. Talk noise. But he would make you sit down and watch Dolomite. At least we mm -hmm. watch Dolomite at least 14 days straight every day. There's nothing in my trunk, man. That's what he kept saying. There's nothing <laughs> in my trunk. Okay, we <laughs> But yeah, that was that was that was that was the introduction to that and uh, yeah, well yeah. Yeah. I well, um, y'all got to go and, you know, uh, watch the movies with them. I had to pay to, uh, you know, when I was little, I was, I had to pay to go into his room and watch a movie or just look at all his Bruce Lee posters and magazines and whatnot. So, um, you know, I, uh, I, a lot of people think I'm joking, but I'm not, you know, <laughs> he was, he was a bully when I was little. You know, as big as he was, I was very, very small, you know, and he's 10 years older than me. And he was, um, for him to be such a big guy, not just tall, but a solid guy, he was very light on his feet. He was like that Fred Flintstone, like whenever Fred would play, um, <laughs> he would be playing. <laughs> he would be bowling and he would take himself. Like, he did the kicks. In front of me, oh, yeah. like, and I don't know how he never hit me, but he never did. And he oh, would, you know, practice the, oh, God, he was he was ridiculous. But, yeah, he was funny. And he, he always was, had movies going. He was standing there with that kick pose out behind your head. And you didn't know it. You turn around, you were going to run into his foot. He thought that was <laughs> And, you know, I ain't but five foot five. So he had to mm -hmm. do it. <laughs> but yeah, a lot of people never got to see that side of him and doing like, you know, he really thought he was like Bruce Leroy. Uh, <laughs> you, you, you didn't, you didn't, we didn't, nobody messed with Bruce. No, he wasn't, he wasn't that type of guy. He mm -hmm. didn't give vibe. I can't, I can't. I mean, we probably would argue about, hey, man, we don't like that sample or something like that. But 
arguing with somebody, anything like that. Nah, he wasn't really that type. I mean, yeah. I don't know what him and the ghetto boys had had together because they were together so much and so long. I, I couldn't tell you about they they grind some beef. Yeah. So we, <laughs> No, it sounds like, you know, the, the you know, um, one time, you know, uh, after he passed and I spoke with um, Willie D at that time, you know, he told me a couple funny stories. You know, it seemed like they, you know, um, really kind of like would have these competitions, like eating competitions and different stuff when they was on the road. That was absolutely ridiculous. Um, but yeah, it sounded like, you know, they, they definitely had a lot of fun, you know, when they were touring and stuff back then. And yeah, I, too. I can honestly say, you know, my brother still had mad love for all of them. You know, he was you know, still in contact with some, um, you know, even up to his passing, you know, um, so, you know, and yeah. I, I'm super grateful. Like I can, you know, I'm very close with Box and I'm very close with Johnny C. Of course, I knew Johnny ever since I was little. You know, they um, used to have a group in Trenton called the Mighty MC. So I remembered him from back then, you know. So those are my brothers. You know, they check on me often and, you know, and um, we talk a lot. So, yeah. And Lee, yeah. you know, definitely, you know, been um, a really great um you know, um, I can't even just say friend, you know, they, they really have become family. You know, I feel like when my brother passed, he left me a lot of brothers, you know, to oh, kind of yeah. over me. Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. I still, I still can, I call him sensei, mm-hmm. you know, because he took from what I, he, 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 used to, he used to give me so much confidence, like, Black, you're going to be a good DJ. You just got to pay attention. This is mm-hmm. pay attention, pay attention, pay attention, pay attention. Black, you're going to be a good producer. You just got to pay attention. You just can't do what everybody else do. Don't even do what I do. You know, don't mm-hmm. even, don't you see me doing this? This is not what you do. I'm going to teach you how to put it together, but you have to come up with your own. Mm-hmm. And that's where, at the age of 52 now, that's where I'm at now. I'm, I'm on my own. And when, yeah. before he before he passed, I was calling him and checking on him every other month. Mm-hmm. As soon as I found out where he was and all that, I was calling him every other month. He knew mm-hmm. it. He, he 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 knew I was calling. If I was just <laughs> say, you say that, yeah, right? good, I right? I mm-hmm. that was it. Wasn't too much. We ain't gonna keep reminiscing on the past. Uh, yeah. What, what, you know, I was just calling, checking him, make sure he was okay. Because I was gonna get him to um, DJ one of my wedding anniversaries before he mm-hmm. Yeah, I was gonna um, fly him down here and get him. We was gonna do a whole, a whole style on wedding anniversary. Oh, that was nice. Yeah, and, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it was really um, kind of crazy because, you know, um, that Friday, you know, he actually was planning on, um, you know, him and uh, DJ Mr. Mix are really good friends. And, um, you know, they were coming to Camden. He was, uh, Mr. Mix was on a um, old school tour. And, um, 
with uh, DJ 360 and they was going to have him come out and surprise the crowd. So, you know, it was like in the midst of finding out he passed, he had just told everybody that Wednesday, you know, what he was doing and posted the flyer. And um, I remember I was messing with him because when I was younger and he was on tour, I wasn't going to school. And so he literally had everybody that was on the tour on the video telling me to get my butt back into school, you know. Mm -hmm. And so one of the groups was Salt and Pepper. And so I was like, make sure you tell him I went back, you know, and he was like, I'll, if I if I get a chance, I definitely will. And so that Friday, when we once we found out he passed, it was like, I was like, oh, my God, you know, he's supposed to be doing this come out thing with, you know, these guys. And, you know, we um, was able to, you know, get a hold of them and let them know. And, um, you know, I, I think it was like maybe a year or so after um, he had passed when I actually saw the video when they made the announcement at the um, concert. So it was like really crazy, you know, like I um, can't believe like, you know, we're almost at five years now, you know, because um, it, it still seems like yesterday sometimes, you know, and um, and that's why I'm doing this. You know, I want to prevent somebody else, little sister or family member from being in this position or being in the position I was at the time, you know, um, I lost my big brother and I wasn't prepared for the world losing DJ Ready Red. I wasn't prepared for what that felt like, you know, when it happened um, because I had never experienced DJ Ready Red the way that I experienced um, after he passed. And, um, you know, and he kept us very separated from the industry. You know, so it was crazy now that I was talking to these people I only ever heard of, you know, before. And and now, I'm, you know, getting phone calls, you know, from them. So it was it was a very, very crazy time and a weird time. And so my goal is, um, you know, DJing and music was his thing. Um, nursing is mine, you know, and he pushed me and, and encouraged me to go after my dream like he went after his. So my way of giving back is by hoping to help the hip hop community to prevent, you know, um, more people in your age group and younger pass away from unnecessary, you know, health issues. You know? Mm -hmm. So that's the whole goal for this podcast. It's just to, um, you know, be able to have this platform for you guys to tell y'all stories, for us to, you know, talk about the different health issues that plague our community. You know, and also just have real open and honest conversations, you know, about grief and about loss, because we've had a lot of it in the hip hop community, you know. Oh, yeah, a lot of it in the hip hop community, especially down here. We just lost Big Pokey not too long mm -hmm. here, a couple of weeks ago. So, yeah, I think, yeah. Uh, when you're when you're younger and, you know, Go back a little bit. It was at one point, the rappers don't die. Mm -hmm. DJs don't die unless somebody kill them. You don't die. Mm -hmm. They don't die over health issues. That just doesn't happen. They're rappers. They're DJs. They just don't die. Right. You know? Right. It's, it's, so they don't, we don't take care of ourselves. I didn't take yeah. care of myself. So right. I, in 2018, I had a triple bipolar. Mm. So, I wasn't taking care of myself, which I did now, but mm -hmm. 
I try to get everybody to understand that, you know, you have to take care of yourself or you will no longer be here. Mm-hmm. Once your body turns against itself, there's yeah. too much nothing you can do. Yeah, yeah. And it's um it's it's really sad because, you know, just I guess, you know, um of course when the loss is close to you, you be you know, you really feel it, but then you become hyper aware of other people's loss, you know. And of course, like you said, like, you know, I, I can remember just being younger and remembering when um DJ Scott LaRock, you know, was killed and like what that felt like. But it was like he was killed. And we, mm-hmm. you know, and then going into Biggie and Tupac and Big L, you know, and then you, you know, fast forward and now we're at a place where we're losing, you know, Bismarck to, you know, um, complications of stroke and different people to like these health issues that, you know, as black and brown people we deal with. But it's sad because, you know, with the first and second, third generation artists or people that have were in the game but left the game you know you still are looked at as like this artist but you live a normal life and work a normal job and you know and and sometimes that doesn't coincide with getting good health care or being able to afford health care and living you know and so so many of these artists have to make a decision to you know like oh well you know i i i'm a with go the you know, healthcare and hope I'd be all right, you know, or you have so many um, artists when they first started, they never thought they was going to make it out of their 20s. So they didn't take care of themselves. They was just living. They was doing whatever they wanted to do. And now the repercussions of that, you know, is catching up to them, you know. So I was, I was really, really, really happy, um, you know, to see what, um, you know, with the Hip Hop Alliance, what they're trying to do. They now also have a fund, you know, to be able to help, you know, um, artists that fall on hard times and stuff like that. So, you know, um, I really want to push that. I really want to support that. And I hope everybody does because, you know, at the end of the day, when something happens to any of y'all, they're going to play y'all music, but your family's not going to see like any results of that, it makes us feel good, but it doesn't help anything, you know? And so we got to find a better way, you know? It all, it all starts with knowing your business, knowing what kind of business you're getting into, knowing, knowing who you're getting in the business with. So if you're going to go get in the business with someone that means you, they might say they mean you well, but they don't mean you well, whether you make good music or bad music or not. If they don't mm-hmm. mean you, it's not gonna work, and they gonna right. teach you to having um to try to um bear that load by yourself, mm-hmm. with family or uh, your own health, and because life insurance is not is nowhere near or close to a record contract. Health yeah. insurance is nowhere close to a record contract. Okay, so uh, you know, that we need to change a little bit of that also. You know. well, uh, we want to welcome back to the show uh, already a Beats Per Minute alumni, uh, DJ Vicious Lee of the Deaf Four. Welcome, sir. Thank you, ma'am. What's going on, sir? Thank sis? you for joining the conversation. <laughs> what's going on, Tracy? Oh, what's going on, Lee? How you doing, man? 
I'm good, bro. How are you? Man, I'm hanging in here, man, like a whole um, like a whole hangnail. You know what I mean? I know that's right. <laughs> Just keep hanging in there, bro. That's all you can do. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna try my best, man. Well, Lee, we were just uh, you know, talking about you know, um, just the health and, you know, and um, where, you know, where we have been with, you know, taking care of ourselves and different things of that nature. You know, we had a, a really great conversation just kind of going back and talking about, you know, how, um, you know, um, DJ Black got started and his time with, you know, his group and, dealing with our crazy brother <laughs> and, um, and, and all of that. And, uh, you know, and how he, uh, you know, y'all grew up, you know, basically y'all were in the same neighborhood and how, you know, y'all have had, um, effect on him, you know, being able to kind of see, you know, the way y'all talk and the way that y'all were and everything. Oh yeah. Tracy, Tracy was a young upstart. <laughs> Hey, hey, Lee, did you stay on the east side with um with Senior? With who? With Easy Senior, with Burgermeister now. Not on the east side, but once that four form, Easy C started staying with me. Oh, yeah. Well, um, I know, I know, C was around a lot with Burger. Yeah, in the early days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right in the eighties. That's when I met him. Mm hmm Well, then you must have been about three or four. <laughs> nah, man. <laughs> I was a teenager. Okay. Yeah, you showing your age with that one, bro. Don't do it yourself. Hey, like hey, that. hey, hey, hey! Watch it, watch it, baby. I'm <laughs> <laughs> showing your age now, bro. Remember this uncle that you still talking to. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you for tuning in to the Beats Per Minute podcast, where hip-hop, health, and matters of the heart are always in sync. You can follow us on Facebook, IG, and TikTok at Beats Per Minute Pod, and on YouTube at Beats Per Minute Podcast. Um, so be safe, be healthy, and stay rocking to the beat, y'all. Appreciate you guys. Thank you for joining me today. No problem. Thank you. Hello, little sister. How are you? Great proud of you and your accomplishments. Uh, love you. Take care.